Hey peeps, it's me, Christine, and I want to share with you a game-changing product that has improved my sleep and daily health. So let's dive in. You all know through my journey, I have struggled with sleep, being afraid of it, not getting quality sleep, and not being able to regulate my temperature throughout the night. I definitely learned the hard way, but sleep matters big time. It's when your muscles repair, your brain detoxes, and your body can work on cellular renewal. We just can't afford to miss out on an adequate amount of high-quality sleep, which is kind of hard when you have a rare disease. There's not much that I control in this real life, but one of the easiest and most effective ways to get better sleep every single night is through temperature regulation. Studies actually prove cooler temperatures lead to a deeper, more restful sleep, and that insomniacs actually lack this natural drop in core body temperature, which is what keeps them up at night. Personally, I run hot. This means that even if my room is super cold, I wake up in a pool of sweat, uncomfortable, changing my clothes several times throughout the night. It's frustrating for obvious reasons, and this is why I was so relieved to discover this transformative products from Chili. The Cube from Chili Sleep is a system that fits right over the top of your mattress and uses water to control the temperature of your bed, which helps lower your internal temperature and triggers deeper, relaxing sleep. Since water has 30 times more thermal conductivity than air, these systems are a lot more effective than just cranking up the AC. I mean, I keep my house at 65, so it has to be true. Ever since I started using the Cube system, I've noticed I fall asleep a lot faster, sleep deeper, and wake up feeling fully rested. (laughs) Now, my wife is not a polar bear like me and likes to sleep a little bit warmer, so I love that we can each have our own temperatures on either side of the bed. Chili products can range between 55 and 115 degrees. Right now, Chili is offering my audience a really great deal. When you go to chilisleep.com backslash findyourrare20, you get 20% off the Cube All Sleep Systems with Find Your Rare 20. Sleep is something we could all use more of, and we can all take small steps towards getting better sleep to improve our life in big ways. I hope you'll check out the Chili Sleep System and see why I love their product so much. Hey peeps, welcome to another weekly episode of Because We Are Strong. This week, we are talking with Leah, who was only 15 years old when she started down this rare journey. In her sophomore year, she was diagnosed with GLA which changed her and her family's lives forever. Now at just 20 years old, Leah has found a passion for advocacy. I am always in awe of the young advocates in this rare space, and I'm so confident in the work they will do in helping to bring the invisible visible. I'm your host, Christine, so let's dive in. This is the Because We're Strong podcast, where we sit down every week to get your stories and insight on how to navigate this rare life. You can expect everything real and raw in the hopes that your story, along with ours, helps another person who is dealing with a similar rare struggle. So grab your favorite drink, a comfy blanket, and buckle in, because rare disease isn't for the faint of heart. Leah, thank you so much for being here with us today, all the way from across the pond, studying abroad. That's so cool. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we were able to finally make this happen. Yes. And that's the thing about... um, rare diseases, right? Like you kind of never know what you're going to get when the day starts. So um, I always appreciate all the flexibility that our guests 
our guests give us. So Leah, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, where your rare journey starts? 15 is so young. Yes. Um, it was very young and actually like I started having symptoms when I was nine with lower back pain and we just had no idea that this is what it was. Yeah. Um, my brother like jokingly would call me like an old grandma, you know, going to the chiropractor at, at the age of nine. Um, now he obviously like doesn't call me that, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, it was definitely weird. I, at 15, I got back from summer camp and I wasn't feeling good. I, at camp, I got bronchitis and pneumonia very quickly, one after another. And I, since getting back, like I, it just wasn't, something wasn't right. My stomach wasn't feeling right. I was super nauseous, very sick at the beginning of the school year. And um, I like, I wouldn't even go to my youth group events and I was super involved in that. And I remember I was sitting in my closet and I literally like tried to pack for um, a weekend trip with my youth group. And I said to my parents, I'm like, I can't go. Like, I, I just can't go. And my parents are like, well, if you're not going, we're going to take you to every doctor. They're going to poke and prod you until they figure out what's wrong. I'm like, OK. And that's when they realize like something's actually wrong with me. Like, I don't feel good. Wow. So I'm so sorry to interrupt you. So basically, not in a bad way, but your parents were like, kind of be saying, like, you know, almost like, is it that bad? Like, because they're going to go to the doctors and we're going to try to figure this out. And you're like, yes, it's that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because also like at the time too, like I hated needles. I hated shots. I hated all that stuff. And now like, I'm like, don't even count. Just stick me like, you know, <laughs> Uh, like five years later, I don't even care. Oh my but, gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know the little prick you used to get? Like the little thumb pricks? Yes. So yeah, I was so scared. Yeah. Like three nurses used to have to keep carry me down. And now <laughs> I give like 14 vials of blood and I'm like, don't even flinch. Yeah, no, exactly. Like my my brother like hates blood so much. He he's like he's like he like wants to pass out anytime he gives blood and I'm like, eh, I don't care. Just take it. <laughs> just just do what you have to do. What was it like to like try to find the answers at 15? I mean, and be in high school. It was crazy because I didn't really tell anyone what was going on. Um, like my parents, besides obviously my family, um, because I was, we were doing a lot of tests and at first we thought it was maybe all the antibiotics I was on during the summer. Um, and then we uh, like we we dealt with all of this with a, a friend who was a GI um, because like it was stomach issues that I was dealing with like nausea and stomach pain and um, so we thought like it was all that so we tried probiotics and that didn't work so then he did an upper GI scope he didn't really see any issues then they did a HIDA scan and that ruled out stuff as well and like about like a month or so into all of this, the last thing he, he was like, the last thing we're going to try is a CT scan. And that was on October 4th of, um, 2016. And on October 5th of 2016, I was told that I'm going to St. Jude to, um, you know, figure out what's going on because I, I live in, I live 
in Memphis, Tennessee. So St. Jude's like right there. Um, and my CT scan showed that like it could. Okay. Can we be... just time out for one second? Yeah. Um, so timing out for one second, can I just tell you that? So like, I'm a licensed clinical social worker by trade and my like ultimate dream was to, <laughs> to live in Nashville and work at St. Jude. I just like sidebar wanted, <laughs> wanted you to know. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> now back to the scans. Okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the, the scans looked like it could be like bone cancer or leukemia or something like that. So obviously they just, since I lived in Memphis, they sent me automatically to St. Jude being 15 and stuff. Um, and then went down the road of the next, the rest of October, which was two biopsies to rule out the first biopsy ruled out cancer. And then the second one is what diagnosed me with GLA. And then led to a complication. Can you tell what GLA is? Yes. So GLA is different for everyone. Um, for me personally, um, it it's when, so basically in general, it's when your lymphatic system attacks your body. For me, it attacks my bones and just my spleen. I'm very grateful that it's just my spleen. Um, other people, it affects other other organs. Um, but uh, for me, it's just my spleen. But I, it does affect about 75% of my bones. For um, any of us, it erodes the inside of your bones. Um, so it erodes from the inside out. So basically our scans look like there are holes in our bones because there actually are holes in our bones. Wow. So mind you, you're 15. You're like probably in like the adolescent like part of the hospital at St. Jude's and you and your family are getting this like news. Like how did you guys absorb this? How was that for you as a family unit? Well, my brother called me SpongeBob. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't love a good brother joke. Yeah, so <laughs> that still to the day, you know, stuck stuck with me. <laughs> but honestly, it kind of explains it, like you know, in a good way. You know, I, I don't look like that from the outside, but from the inside, I kind of do look like a sponge, <laughs> um, in a, in a way. But I've um so. So aside from your brother calling you SpongeBob, um, you just bring up a great point. Um, you don't, right? You don't look sick, right? But you don't look sick. Right. The famous line. So exactly. how was that? How was that for you being fifteen and like, yeah, like I said, for your parents to understand. So I, at this point, at the end of October, when I was diagnosed, I had already been out of school for the whole month. And the second biopsy actually led to a complication, which then um, in November, I was hospitalized for the whole month. And um, then I was out of school for that whole, like that whole semester, for the whole rest of the semester. So all the way through winter break and everything. And still at this point, like no one knew besides my parents and I. And when we found out exactly what the condition was and everything, that's when we told the grandparents and everyone else, like any like extended close family and friends, um, exactly what was going on. And of course, we told them, you know, don't tell anyone else. Like, we still have a lot to figure out. 
but we just wanted to keep everyone in the loop. Um, but um, it was still obviously really hard. And I was still health-wise not at the point where I could even start schoolwork because of this complication. I didn't even start schoolwork back until I was out of the hospital after like a few weeks. Like So almost during winter break is like when I actually started back to schoolwork and I had to catch up on quite a bit of stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so none of my friends really knew what was going on uh, besides close family friends um, until probably mid-November while I was in the hospital when I decided to post on Instagram um, about me being in the hospital and explain it a little bit um, because everyone, there was like, from what I heard, there was rumors going around school and all this stuff. And I, as much as I tried not to care, you know, I couldn't help myself. I was just going to say, I was just <laughs> going to say that, Leah. I was literally just going to say like, you know, you know, what's really hard is like sitting back probably at 20, it looks really different, but your 15 year old self worrying about the rumors yeah. and what people are saying about you, like that, that is something, you know, like, and did you ever get to go back to school fully? So I did in January. I did. I did get to go back to school. Um, and I was caught up in basically all my classes, thanks to a lot of good friends and family who helped me catch up in a lot of schoolwork and stuff. Very grateful for them um, to get caught up. But I was very, very, very weak. Um, my schedule, my I still to this day, my counselor at school is the greatest human being that I ever know. Um, she helped just want to give a special shout out to all those counselors and therapists. Yes. Yes. She is truly like who helped me get through everything. Um, she helped rearrange my schedule so that basically I had the whole second half of the day free so that if I just wanted to go home or whatever I could, because like it was just so exhausting, you know, all the stairs in the school and everything. Like I my my complication caused me to have 30 pounds of lymphatic fluid and it put a lot of weight on all my bones and my body and I I couldn't do anything for months and um I was extremely weak, extremely pale. Um it took a while for me to gain back any type of energy. So it, it, I was just beyond grateful for her, beyond grateful for multiple teachers who also just were super caring and just super just understanding of everything. That's amazing when there's a great support system. But I kind of want to touch on something we talked about earlier off, off of, you know, recording, which was like about the reality that some of it isn't so great. And some t- and like losing friends is a really real thing that happens when you enter this um, community. And unfortunately for some of us, right, like I have a before I was sick and an after I was sick. And so do you. So can you talk to me a little bit about what that was like and what that did to your mental health? Yeah. So for me, honestly, it was kind of like two waves. Um, I have the wave of kind of the right after I got back to school and like that group. And then honestly, I have kind of the COVID wave 
of friends that I were new friends and then people who stopped who I had to stop being friends with also for my mental health so it's like two different ways but like when I first got back to school there were some people who I'd been friends with for a long time and not just at my school but just in general who couldn't handle it because not just because I was their friend but just also and because of uh, the best way to put it is because of like their upbringing and like their their home life that they're they're very sheltered so they're sheltered in a way that like there's no harm and so if there are is any harm it's like bad juju type of thing and so they just want to be away from it so almost like they tried to be there for me but would push me away at the same time and I just couldn't have that you know and that that was really hard to comprehend but I also had to accept it at the same time I think one of the things you just said that really resonated with me was like um understanding everyone's point of view in a situation, but also knowing what's best for your mental health and knowing that like, this is hard to understand and this is hard, but I need people who are going to show up for me, if that makes any sense. Like, um, and realizing the strength that you have because you weren't really given another choice. No, exactly. And I think that that's something that I also had to accept because it was hard for me to accept too. Can you tell me a little bit about the second situation with Corona? Yeah, I, so it honestly was maybe a little bit before COVID, I guess, but kind of mostly during COVID, you know, with everyone being stuck at home, you get a lot of people coming out of the woodworks, uh, a lot of friends coming out of the woodworks um contacting and everything and yeah like I I tried to contact as many people as possible catch up with people and everything um I'm also someone I I I try to give people second chances and give people the benefit of the doubt because I like I like I previously said I try to see things from everyone's perspective before I make a full judgment and so I mean there were people that, you know, I've been friends with for years that I tried to get in touch with, tried to hang out with, or had tried to make plans with, or whatever it may be, um, or they tried to make plans with me. And just after years of multiple things happening, I just came to the conclusion of, these certain people just are kind of using me in a way. Not necessarily, well, I guess they would use me in the way of like, if ever I was not at school, like in high school, if ever I was not at school, they would love to be the ones that would be the only ones that knew why and love to be the ones to be asked like, why is ah. Leah here? Like, yada, yada, yada. Um, it's and like then, the tea, right? Like, they like to be in the know so that yeah. they can spread the word. Exactly. 
but not just about me. They then they would use me to be in the know about other people, other people that I'm close to, and that's not who I try to be. And I'm not. I I try to only share information about other people if it's a necessity. I I don't you know only if like they want me to share that information about themselves. You know, I don't try to gossip about other people unless it's needed, <laughs> unless like they absolutely want me to. You bring up a really good point in my in my opinion because you brought up the this idea of gossiping and you know, it's very controversial whether or not you share your story on social media or you don't. Um, you know, people are like, "Oh, you're seeking for attention, blah blah blah." Then there's the people who love it and advocate it for it. And I I personally believe that it's about your journey and what feels best for your journey. Um, and I love every single person who has stood up and shared their story because it's somebody else's survival guide. But I also respect people who decided to just not share their story. Um, I think one of the biggest things is just ensuring that, you know, we're doing things from a place of, you know, kindness and understanding and not judging, you know, somebody's journey or not judging how somebody has chosen to put themselves back together after something so like life altering happens. No, I think that you're, you make such a great point. Like recently I've been a lot more vulnerable about sharing my story. I actually recently, a few weeks ago, shared a very vulnerable video of me. Um, and I just said how, that how I feel truly at peace for like the first time in like five years um that I can remember and I shared that because I want people to know that you know just because it's been five years doesn't mean that I haven't struggled so much these past five years so much and it's taken a lot for me to get here. So one of the things you just said is like um, about peace. And I, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Leah, because here's the thing. One, grief isn't linear. And so things come up and struggles happen. New, rare disease punches us in the face when we least expect it. But being at peace also doesn't mean that like it's over, right? Like chronic right. means forever. But being at peace with yourself and who you've become because of it is a great place to be. Exactly. And, you know, you're 20, you know, you're 20 years old and, you know, there's going to be ups and downs, but I think, you know, and that's the hard thing to understand, right? Is that, well, one, if, even if I'm not talking about it, it's happening to me. Right. Um, and when I am talking about it, it's, either because I want to talk about it, I want to bring awareness to it. Um, or, you know, there's like, for me, my, my mission now is I never wanted anyone to Google and not find anything. Like I didn't find anything. And so like, that's, that's why I continue to share my story. And, you know, um, you have done such a great job with like, you know, starting a page and really getting into this advocacy. And, you know, I, 
I want to actually know a little bit about how the college process went, but I also know that not you're studying abroad and you want a career in hospital administration. So, I mean, you're really taking your story and, and giving it purpose for yourself. So with that being said, I, I, what was it like applying for college, like getting yourself to this point? So it's actually really funny that you ask this because there were so a lot of people who felt like they could ask me this question um, because they felt like that they knew my family when they, they didn't. Um, after I got into college and stuff, they would come up to me and ask me like, oh my gosh, like you must be doing so well that like, that you're like, you're going away for college. And I'd look at them and be like, I never thought about staying here for college. That was never in my mind. Wow. So yeah, like I, yeah. It was never in my thought process to like stay in Memphis for college. So I really love this because there's two things I want to bring up on this point is that this idea that like, one, you're not an inspiration for going to college, right? Like it was never even in your thought process that you wouldn't be going away to college. Like this was, and I think that's like such an incredible, like, thing that you're like, it's not even in my thought process, because a lot of times I think in the disabled community, the rare disease community, invisible, like, it's like, oh, you know, you did this. You're such an inspiration. It's like, I went grocery shopping. I'm not an inspiration, you know? Um, and so, um, there's that piece of it. And I totally resonate with that, but for your parents, it was probably pretty scary to let you go. Definitely. I think it definitely was. I think what made a lot of it better um, was that my brother was actually already at the University of Tennessee. And so like my freshman year, he was a senior. And then he actually wound up doing a fifth year. So he was also there during my sophomore year of college as well. And then this is my junior year and he just graduated and I'm studying abroad. So the fact that I've made it this far and I'm able to be abroad and I, my condition's stable enough for me to be abroad and my doctors are okay with me being here just shows a lot of how far we've come. And during the past two years, if I ever needed anything, my brother was right there with me, um, just one call away. And I had friends there. And now, like, I have the same thing here. Like, I have friends here if I need anything. Obviously, the healthcare system is different here um, and stuff. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, things to adjust to. But, you know, we, like, we can adjust and we can figure things out here and stuff. What is your message you're trying to get out with your page and your advocacy? That a lot of people, I feel like with my condition, when I was first diagnosed five years ago, similar to you, like in a way that there wasn't really anything on Google. Like, you know, when you Google something, there's not really anything there. Yeah, like there's there's still not much there. And. I mean, our community, like our our little face group support group has definitely grown 
Um, but I want people to know that when you are diagnosed and I've had parents like come to me and like tell me that I'm an inspiration for their children and they see that like their kids can do so much. They don't, they don't have to stay home for college and they can still go off to college and all this stuff that makes me so happy to hear. Um, because I don't want parents to be afraid to send their kids off to school. Like so scared. Of course they're going to be scared. Like it's their child. Um, but like, I mean, I just want people to feel like that, you know, we can use our trauma and what we've been through for good in life and do something positive with it. And that's what, like the, when I was in the hospital, I remember sitting there with my parents and honestly, it wasn't like that long before this that I was talking about what I want to do as a job and stuff in the future with my dad. And I was talking about maybe business or interior design or something like that. And then I was sitting there in the hospital and we were just advocating and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? This is what I want to do. I want to help change things. This is why this is why this happened to me. That's when things really started to change for me. I that I wanted to advocate this is what I want to do in life. This is my passion in life. This is why this happened to me, although it sucks at times. This is why. This is my why. I love what you just said. This is my why. I say it all the time. Leah, where can people find you to connect with you, to follow your journey, to support you? Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at Leah's story. That's L-E-E-Y-A-S dot story. And then the exact same thing for TikTok. As always, friends, I put all of those links in the show notes so you can easily access and follow her. Leah, thank you so much for coming on, sharing your story and being an advocate in this space. Um, it means so much to not only me, but you know, the future generation. I truly believe the future is rare and it's because of people like you. Thank you so much. Thank you for allowing me to share my story today. To all our listeners who join in every week, thank you for helping us bridge the gap between rare disease and the rest of the world. Until next time, live large and stay rare. Catch us next week for another episode. To continue the conversation about rare disease and all the unknowns that comes with it, join our Facebook group. Want even more rare? Become a VRP member on Patreon and learn more about our stories or how to share yours by visiting bwspod.com.